Welcome back, everyone, to episode 125 of the Popcorn Podcast. I'm Tommy. That's Ryan. And today, our guest is coming off one of the biggest shows of 2023, The Fall of the House of Usher. You may know him for his role as Oscar Finley in Reacher or Detective Clive Babineau in iZombie or even the rat Jimmy Z in American <laughs> Gangster. Welcome to the show, Malcolm Goodwin. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? How's it going? I'm telling Good. you, man, speaking of rat, I cannot walk through Harlem, New York. People thought that was like a documentary. I walked through Harlem. <laughs> They're like, yo, that's the rat. That's the, that's the dude who, who ran on Frank Lucas. I'm like, it's a movie. It's a movie. Yeah, but I mean... I fell in love with your work watching Reacher, a show that I've told every single person when I see them, like, you have to watch Reacher. You have to watch Reacher. You have to watch Reacher. I mean, oh, thank you, man. Thank you. And then Follow the House of Usher. It was my number two show of the year. I thought it was absolutely incredible. And I mean, it had to be incredible getting to work with Mike Flanagan, that entire cast. Dude, I'm telling you, man. Yeah, that came to fruition because of one of my best friends, Raul Coley from um, iZombie. And he sent me a text one day. He was just like, Dude, I threw your name in the mix for this. There's a role in Full of the House of Usher. I threw your name in the mix that, you know, and hopefully maybe it'll work out or whatever. And then literally a few months later, I get the call from Mike and it happened. And the work with him and with his writing, the filmmaking, just the entire experience, dude, was just just unreal. Working with Carl Lumbly was just amazing. And just developing that character alongside with him, you know, it felt like theater. Um, it felt like theater. So it was, it was amazing. It was amazing. But yeah. So as I said, before we started recording, we have some questions from just between me and Ryan. Then we have some questions from the fans of the show. And I have to say before I really get into questions, you're in a show from a while ago that I was a huge fan of as a kid. And that was Wayward Pines. You played Bauer. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited when I was like going through everything. I was like, Oh, like I knew all like the big things you're probably zombie reach. Right. I was like, Oh my God, Wayward Pines. I was all excited. <laughs> and yeah, how yeah. Did, I have to ask, how was it getting to reunite with Carla, who you did Wayward Pines with, and then end up way down the line getting to be in Fall of the House of Usher with? Wow, man. That, I've never been asked this question. Bravo to you. This is a brand new one, man. Uh, yeah, that was... Wayward Pines was was special to me, man, because I was a big M. Night Shyamalan fan. A big fan, you know. In college, I watched. I would watch. I remember binge watching all of his stuff on the Netflix DVDs and watching the special features. And he has like his independent films. I mean, his his um his films when he was a kid up there, so you can watch it. And he just brings you into his process of filmmaking. So when I book Wayward Pines, I'm excited to meet him. And so when I see him, I'm like. I just need 60 seconds to just fanboy real hard so I could be regular. <laughs> and I pretty much told him what I told you guys about, you know, watching all of his stuff, adapting his process into my filmmaking process. Um, and, you know, got on set and it was what I expected. Everything is set up. Everything is already uh, blocked the way he, he prepares. And just to be a part of that, man, was crazy. And it was an opportunity for me to be a part of, I think the character was supposed to recur, but then I got iZombie and I had a choice between doing iZombie or recurring on Wayward Pine. So obviously I picked iZombie because it's a series regular. And I did see Carla um, when I was filming and uh, I, I never met her on American Gangster. I never met her oh. on American Gangster. I had never. So I, uh, but we knew of each other. And so... I obviously we talked on Wayward Pines, and then to, to, to see her again on Fall of the House of Usher was just like, 
yeah, dude, it was it just felt like full circle. Yeah, awesome. that, I, I mean, I completely just forgot when I asked that question. I forgot Carla was even in American Gangster. Now I feel horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh you like, oh reuniting from Fall of the House. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew her. Yeah, well, I guess I would have meet, but I got to watch her do scenes. Um, in American Gangster, I was so brand new with America. I was so in- intimidated with that movie. I got Denzel, Russell, Russell Crowe, all these big, you know, Ruby D. And so I sat there in the corner. I was like, I am not speaking unless <laughs> spoken to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you mentioned earlier you're doing Fall of the House of Usher. What was that like kind of, you know, creating that character with somebody else instead of just doing it yourself with uh, Carl Lumbly? I'll tell you, man, what... Uh, Mike, what he did was, and I never experienced this before, but what he did was he gave me Carl's um, dailies so I could see what they're doing. Um, They started filming January of 2022, and the 70s didn't start shooting until May. um, May. So I got a chance to watch all of Carl's stuff because I'm like, I have to reverse engineer what he's doing. You know, I just can't kind of go in there. Well, how I'm going to do my thing. I'm like, he's establishing the character. I live in the flashback, so I have to reverse engineer his work. So Carl and I had set up a meeting uh, to talk for about 15 minutes. And that 15 minute conversation lasted for almost, I don't know, two and a half, three hours. And we were on the same page with exactly the backstory and what we wanted to um, put forward with this character. And like I said, it was one of those things where I felt like, it felt like we was doing theater. Like it was so immersive. And sometimes you don't have that kind of time in film and TV to have that kind of develop, to have that kind of time to develop a character with that much detail. Um, so by the time I got on set, I felt like I had the soul of Dupin. We we was we wanted to have the same soul. You wanted to feel like that's the same soul. And Carl was way bigger than me too. You know, Carl was like <laughs> six three. I'm five nine. You know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Carl's a big dude. You know, and but we were like, we're gonna make it. But if the soul matches, people won't know. It's 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 film and TV. So it's um. But it was it was magical. It was magical. It kind of made me want to go back. There. I'm like, you know what? I think I may have to go back and do a play now. And from my thing, I did so much theater in New York. I got kind of burnt out, and I just focused on film and TV for so many so long. But it brought back that love for doing theater again, um, working on um, For the House of Usher. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I'm going to put you in a time machine right now. Okay. Going back to 1997, I have to ask you, how did it feel for being on the set for the first time for The Color of Justice as your role as Sean? Man, wow, dude. That was... Listen, when I got colored, I was green, green. I was green, goblin, green. <laughs> I thought they was lying to me that I got this wrong. And I remember, like, it was like kind of like an. I remember it being like an open call audition for that movie, and I was working at a bus company, and I was just, I was more into my music at that particular point. I went to high school for theater, and but I wasn't really serious about it. I was more focusing on writing, and then I fell in love with music. And then whenever I felt like was having like a down day, I would just buy the backstage magazine and then audition for what's there. And Color Justice was one of those projects. You're talking about back in the day, it was like you got 25 callbacks for roles. So I remember going back, I mean, I think no lie, 25 times. And I remember not getting one of the, it was like three three boys at first, three, and I didn't book it. 
And then I get a call from the director. It was like, we loved you so much. We add, we made a four boys that there are now in trouble. So they created this role that wasn't there before. I was like, oh my God, that's great. It was like, we're going to have a car pick you up. It was like my first time, like on a plane flying to, you know, uh, going to <laughs> Toronto. And I'm sitting there like, I remember my dad, it was my friends. We thought they were lying. I'm like, you're lying. You're playing, you're playing with my feelings. You're playing with my emotions. Like this is, this is a terrible prank. And so I remember going there, getting on a plane for the first time. It was like first class. I was like, why am I in, why am I in the front? I was nervous about being in the, I was nervous about being on the plane, but now I'm in the front. I'm like, what's going on? Um, so, and then, and then I get to Toronto and I see the director, Jeremy Kagan. And I looked at him, I'm like, is this real? And he goes, this is real. And I'm going to give him a big hug. And I remember being dead broke. The only thing I brought, I brought a book bag with a pair of underwear. This is for a three-month shoot. I have a book bag. I got like, I got, I have a sweatsuit with a pair of underwear. And that's it. And I'm sitting there like, well, I only got one change of clothing. And then that's when I was introduced to per diem. And per diem was, became my new my new term it became my new best friend and uh but yeah it was it was three months of filming that and just to learn from gregory hines bruce davison um f murray abraham dule hills in there too and i learned i learned a lot i learned a lot it was my first time on the film set yeah awesome yeah so did you is that when you learned more about like directing and producing because i know you have a lot of credits with different episodes of television and different short films that you've produced is that where you kind of learned all that stuff yeah, it's kind of happened around uh, the directing and producing happened because I worked into I had an internship at this comp, at this post house called Liberty Studios, and so we did all of the like Wu Tang Clan videos. I was a young I was a young teenager hanging out with the Wu Tang Clan and editing music videos. You know, uh, Protect Your Neck, uh, Mystery of Chess Boxing. We did we did uh, Out Scratch. And like I said, I sat there, it was like the, I forget their names. Um, uh, I hate that I forget their names, but I was, they took me under their wing and I just had to clean up the studio every weekend. And in exchange, they'll teach me about filming and bring me on set. And I would, I would just a PA. Um, and then I started learning how to edit. I learned, started learning how to shoot. And so that's where I learned all of that. So I was excited to get on the film set years, year years later and see how it was done like on a on a on a film and so i was just kind of just taking everything in you know and just uh it was a different process with film versus music videos it was just it was it was a whole different thing but um it did help me um it did educate me and give me a lot to um which is why i'm still doing it today mm-hmm. yeah awesome do you have a question with me? no you can go ahead. Uh, um Something this is more personal to me. I was wondering, coming from someone who wants to get into acting, loves acting, all that. Do you have any tips for anyone try, like aspiring actors around? Anyone who's listening to the show, or anyone just in general? Find a way to keep doing it. Find a way to do, find a way to get doing it. And right now, everyone has there's the advantage of also creating your own content. I go, wow, you know, sometimes instead of instead of waiting for that opportunity for that uh, that audition you can also create your own opportunity you know whether it's through whether it's streaming on it's so many platforms streaming platforms you can put it on independently you know even if it's on your cell phone find a way to keep doing it find a way and there's so many people filming and and just build up your experience but i think the minute you stop 
the minute you that's when you're in trouble is when you stop you, when you stop doing it oh it's find a way to keep working at it i always and you know that's what i did i don't care whether it was a student film indie film i got a bunch of films that never even came out i got sketches that never seen the light of day but i've learned something from working on those sketches i learned something from working on those movies that aren't just sitting on hard drives <laughs> um, to, <laughs> to, to, to this day but I was like, I just have to find some way to keep doing it. It builds your confidence. It builds your comfort. It builds, and more importantly, it builds your experience. No matter whether it's a multi-million dollar film or whether it's it's a dollar and fifty cent, it's right. still adds to your experience. Yeah, yeah. Is it a different experience when you uh, like act in as well as produce something? Because I know you've done that a few times. Yeah, you know what? I remember when I first started, I was like, I don't want to be in anything I direct and produce, and I mean, I don't, I, I just, I, I didn't want to act in it. I didn't want to, I didn't want to multitask like that. My opinion changed now, uh, just because it's honoring the people you work with and and accepting support, and that was the part where I think when I first started, I was running gun kind of by myself. So I was like, how am I going to, how am I going to act and direct? I'd rather just work, focus on one thing. Once I started trusting people and having people around me where it's just like, okay, cool. Yeah, it's not a big deal. I, I can also do that. And I got people who have my back on the vision that I'm trying to do directing. So now I'm okay doing both. But when I first started, I was not against, I was totally, I was uh, totally against it. But I think what helps it is trusting the people around you, surrounding yourself with people that you trust and that who's going to have your back. And then, you know, and you don't have to multitask some part, you know, everything. I'm like, you don't got to multitask. Find somebody who can, who, yeah, who, right. who wants to do it, you know, wants to help. Yeah. And then, of course, I talked about in the beginning of the episode, we talked about Reacher. How did Reacher come about and how is that different from anything you'd worked on before? Because it's such a big, big budget action television series. Right. I tell you, the, the main difference with Reacher was the fact that it was my first time getting all eight episodes and knowing exactly what's going to happen before we started rolling, you know, before rehearsals. Usually on TV shows, you get, you don't know what's happening week to week. You know, everyone's figuring it out week to week. You may know like a roughly exactly where you, you know, where the character's going to go here, but you don't know how. But on Reacher, I had all eight scripts. I knew exactly what was going to happen. So you get to develop the character and play an entire arc. It, was, it, was, it felt like a film. You know, obviously a film, you get the entire thing. TV generally didn't work, doesn't work like that all the time, um, especially network TV. You just don't know the entire, they're not saying, here's 24 scripts or here's 12 scripts. Yeah. Uh, right. So that was my first time experiencing that. The way it came about was, um, Nick Santora, the showrunner of the show, I worked with him. This was our fifth, I think our fifth project together. He gave me my first opportunity um, on the show called Breakout Kings, him and um, another showrunner, uh, Matt Olmstead. And we just became friends and he just became like a just, a just a big champion for me, not only as an artist, but as a person. And he did tell me that there's maybe a potential role for you uh, in Reacher. And this was something, I think, in 2018, 2019. And iZombie was still going on. iZombie wasn't canceled at that point. It was like, if, if, you know, if I'm available, man, I would love to come in, on, come in for an audition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it happened. 2021 happened. Um, I went to the audition and it was, and they did a, did a Zoom test. 
And then the rest is history, you know, and booked it. And we shot that during the pandemic in Toronto. So it was very insulated experience. Um, so we had no idea what the reaction was going to be, you know. Um, and wow, when it came out, my goodness, we, we were all kind of, we was all happy for it, but we didn't know. We, I, 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 I'll speak for myself. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I was happy to be a part of it. I was like, wow. So, yeah. Yeah. You mentioned doing a Zoom test for it. What was that like? Doing an audition online versus in person? The Zoom, I feel like with the Zoom, it's hard. You have to kind of, it's it's a little tricky because you have to manufacture a connectivity via Zoom. And that is a little, it's easier in person. You know, it's always mm-hmm. going to be easy in person because I get to see the person, feel the energy in the room and have that connection. With Zoom, you have to try to manufacture that. That adds a little bit of a an additional challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, but you roll with the punches. It was my first time doing it. It was, I had to find that, trying to find some, is you like, where do I look in the camera? Do I look here? Do I look off camera? <laughs> where do, where, and I got my business partner. He's sitting there. I think uh, I was like, just in case I forget this they like this speech or something just have the lines right there just in case on this eye line he's sitting there he's shaking i remember him holding that ipad <laughs> trembling because we couldn't get the tripod in the position where it needed and they're like malcolm put the computer up tilt it like this and, and i'm like i'm getting i'm like i don't got a tripod so i gotta get i gotta get books and stuff so behind the scenes it's just a bunch of books stacked up with the ipad tilted and then my i mean with the computer the, the laptop and then my business partner sitting there holding this ipad just in case something i mean sweating holding this he's a big guy and he's just sitting there Sweating, holding it just in case I need to grab a line that I may forget. Um, but it was fun, you know. We laughed about it afterwards, and obviously it worked. Obviously it worked out. But it was uh, that that but that was a brand new experience for me. I had never done that. I mean, I do it all the time now, but that mm-hmm. was the that was Reacher was the first, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, since the pandemic, I don't think anyone's been in rooms. Yeah. Everything is done via Zoom now. Yeah. I can't imagine doing the zooms. The zooms sound horrible. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm telling you, like like zoom, t- like even like I think zoom table reads are tough. You know, you're trying to because everyone's mm-hmm. muted. So like, say for example, you're reading for a comedy, and so we're all in a room together. We're all laughing. We're mm-hmm. laughing at jokes. You get an instant yeah. response on Zoom. Everybody's muted. So you're sitting there like you don't even know if the joke <laughs> landed. It's just like you you say you say your joke, and it's dead silence. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so it's but huh? Most awkward parts leaving too. Like even doing like Zoom school, you know, class ends, you can talk to your buddies, whatever. Zoom ends, you're just like, oh, the room's silent now. What, <laughs> right, what exactly. Like, <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. And everybody, and, and you know, and also everybody's muted, you know, so it's not mm-hmm. all this overlap or feedback coming from someone's thing. So I think it, you know, it does take a, it, it does hurt the connectivity, um, but it's better than nothing. And you know, I'm happy that. We're back. The strike's over. We're working and making it work by any means necessary. So yeah. no complaints. I'm just happy it's not shut down. Well, I, I don't know if you can answer. This is like a two-part question. I got okay. my First off, my dad's a massive fan of yours and kind of fangirled when I was like, oh, we're doing the episode. <laughs> so this is, this, is a question, this is a question from him. He wanted to okay. know, is there a chance we see Finley in Reacher Season 3? 
listen, if it was my decision, what well, there's 27 Reacher books, you would see Finley in three, four, five, six, seven, <laughs> all the way up to 27. <laughs> you know, but I think saying true to what, you know, he's a loner. You know, these are all solo missions, solo journeys. And so I love the fact that they're staying true to that story that Lee Child created. Right, dang it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. Maybe I, I tell you what, when people ask me that about season two, I would tell people because there was a people a bunch of people like Malcolm lied. He said he wasn't he said he wasn't in season two. I said, No, 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 no. I said that Oscar Finley wasn't in that book. I'm like, he's uh oh, oh, Oscar Finley isn't in that book, which is the truth. Uh but I didn't say he wasn't in the TV show. Uh just the book. Yeah. Huh. So, yeah. so maybe, maybe that's what I'm hearing. No, hey, I'm waiting. I he will see. Hey, I tell you what, I wouldn't say no if the call came. Okay. That makes me feel better. And then <laughs> the, the the part two to this question again comes back to reprising. So in the Mike Flanagan universe, they deserve a Netflix. He loves to bring back actors to play different characters. If given the opportunity, or if you already have signed on to do something else. <laughs> Would right. you go back and do another Mike Flanagan series or movie? One thousand percent. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a very unique experience, man. In terms of the 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 amount of time you're given to prepare for the characters, and also, you know, it's one of those things in terms of also going on set. You know exactly what's going to happen that day. You know, there's no. There's no guessing in that or no random surprises. You know, you're set up to succeed. I feel like everybody in all the departments are set up to succeed because you know exactly what we're trying to accomplish that day. Um, And yeah, that was just incredible. I know how many shots. I know what the angle is going to be. We know what everything is going to be before we get to show up the next day. And that was a new, that was a very very unique experience for me. Um, I was like, this is great. That's why I felt like almost I don't know. I always say it felt like it felt the it felt theatrical. I just felt locked in. Everybody's locked in, like just locked in. And that was infectious. So absolutely, a thousand times. I want I I would love to feel that again, over and over again. Absolutely. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We, we we need to make this happen. We need to sign like a petition or something to get you in Reacher um, season three and other <laughs> another project Mike Flanagan. We need to make all this happen. Yeah. Well, hopefully, is, hopefully. Is there any other kind of director or writer you'd love to work with? Just... Yeah, there's a, there's a lot, man. There's there's quite there there's quite a few. You know, um, I think the answers the answer will always change depending on the day, but. Yeah, right now uh, there's a there's something I'm I'm right. Antoine Fuqua, I would love to work with him. You know, I'm a big fan of his. I'm a big fan of. I'm a, Scorsese's always going to be on the list. You know, I'm a big Scors- Scorsese fan. Um, Steven Spielberg. You know, uh, the two directors I grew up. I grew up in Brooklyn, and so the directors I grew up before I even knew I was going to be one wanted to be an actor or any involved in film in any way was was always Spike Lee and. Steven Steven Spielberg and Steven Spielberg because of E.T. You know, E.T. was my joint. I loved E.T. <laughs> I loved it. I was like, and I didn't know what a director was, but I'll tell you, little elementary school me knew who 
Steven Spielberg was. I knew Steven Spielberg and Spike Lee. I worked with Spike Lee on a movie called Miracle at St. Anna. So that's tech on my bucket list. So and it was it was Steven Spielberg because of E.T. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, but there's so many, there's so e. many right Tarantino. I mean, come <laughs> on, man. There's so many directors and right. I would love to work with. Mm. All right, so hey, I think we do Verne. Just... Let's go. So oh, yeah, it's a never-ending list. Just keep <laughs> shouting them out. It keeps going. Maybe one of those directors will watch this episode <laughs> and be like, "Oh, let's reach out." That's right. That's right. <laughs> So we just have a few more questions before we get into the gangster mobster list. Who I don't want anyone that's listening to correct me. I got um, you. One question that I want to ask, again, kind of coming back to reuniting with someone. In the span of two years, you worked with Willa Fitzgerald on both Reacher and The Fall of House of Usher. Was there no. any coincidence? Was that just a coincidence that you guys both got it? Or was there something that you guys like talked about with Mike Flanagan? Or was this Dude. just by utter coincidence? Dude, straight up coincidence. <laughs> a straight up coincidence. Like, had no, I, yeah, because I, I knew, I had knew about the show because Raul, like I said, he's the one who recommended me and got me on the shortlist for it. And I didn't even know Willa was going out for it. It wasn't until it was announced, like in the trades. And I was just like, I hit Willa up, like, yo, you know, I'm doing it too. She was like, you are making. <laughs> and so, but uh, that was pure coincidence. And Willa just—I mean, Willa is a monster. She just put her foot in that role and just killed it. And so, she is so good, dude. She is so good. It was just amazing to watch her work as Roscoe. Then played this completely different energy, completely different character on *Fall of the House of Usher*. And you know, we always say when someone's cooking and just just crushing it, we're like, oh, they, oh, she is in her bag. <laughs> just, just doing it so it was great man it was great yeah yeah so pure coincidence pure pure coincidence uh, yeah so you mentioned willa being great and watching her work is fantastic but i gotta ask is there anybody cooler to watch work than denzel washington Dude, i'm telling you man i sat there like i i, I, t- I just took notes like watching him i feel like and also w- with the combo of russell crowe Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, was because I feel like I, I worked more with Russell Crowe during that yeah. entire shoot. I mean, when I did American Gangster, American Gangster, I was supposed to be in one scene. I, was, mm-hmm. I had a, I moved to LA, and then I was, I gave myself six months to make it before I go to, to get something before I'm moving back to New York. And then on month four in LA, I get American Gangster, so I got to move back to New York. I got to go back to New York. Uh, it's a local hire, so I got to bring myself. I'm like, I'll, I mean, I'll fly myself back. I don't care. I still, got my, I still got my room in Yonkers. I still keep my room in Yonkers there just in case. And I'll come in for this one day, which was essentially the piano scene. Mm. And then I get on set, and I'm I'm thinking that we're doing the piano scene. They're like, no, they're gonna they're gonna do something else. Really wants to use you for something else. I'm like, okay, cool. And I remember sitting around all day long. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was there to do. And then I get there, and he he gives me all this love, you know, about my audition tape. When I did my audition tape, it was literally just shooting my shooting the guy for touching my girl's butt, and then I get slammed into this glass table, and that was the scene. I decided to do a monologue about what happened, what he said to get himself in that situation. So I improv, you know, literally. The audition scene is maybe uh, a two-eighths of a page. I did an entire improv <laughs> scene that led into the thing. And it stood out. 
and mm-hmm. I don't I remember they're saying you're one of fifty, you're one of forty, you're one of thirty, you're one of twenty, one of ten. Holy crap, you're one of five. So <laughs> you're it. And I I took a chance. And I, that's another advice I would give with actors too. Take a chance. Take a risk. If you got some ideas, sometimes you gotta take a risk. Cause I think if I didn't do that, I wouldn't have gotten that role. If I would have just done that two eighth of a page, it would have just looked like everyone else's auditions. But I had just had this idea, like, why not? If they don't like it, they could just turn it off. I'm just going <laughs> to go for it. And I did that. And he talked to me. He was like, I love that. I was eating my breakfast in London. And I saw you doing all this. I said, holy, I, I want this guy. And he said, you know, we need." he was like, we need a snitch in the movie. So I, we're going to make your character the snitch. I didn't know this was going to be the thing. <laughs> I had no idea going into the set. I thought I'm just going to get thrown into the glass table and that's it. So literally one day, I was originally supposed to be on for one day, and that turned to three months on American Gangster. And it was was just a master class. But what I learned from Denzel and Russell Crowe was just how prepared they were. They got a $100 million movie on their back. It felt like it. How inclusive they were with the cast and crew in terms of making sure everybody is a part of making each scene the best it can be and finding the moments, not letting any moments slide. I remember when there's this big and when I'm being interrogated, I had lines in that scene, but it it felt (laughs) weird to say the lines. Like it did, you know, I was like, I don't know. And Russell came through, puts on his glasses, he'll sit down and he's like, okay, cool. Um, Would you say this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I, he's, I don't think you would say that either. Cut. Would you say that he just went through this entire thing and let's cut that? I'm like, would you say this? I'm like, I don't know. It just feels like he was like, yeah, I don't think you would say it either. Let's cut that too. <laughs> so we sat there. We sat there. And then he's like, okay, cool. He said, all right. Uh, hey, guys, what we're going to do is we're going to do a hallelujah. And I didn't know what a hallelujah was. And they was like, uh, okay, yeah, we do a hallelujah. And I'm like, what's that? What, what are y'all talking about? I'm like, I'm on a new code. This is just, I'm on some kind of code here. What is that? And then what he what it turned into was he was like, hey, Jimmy, um, you know, you know, you effed up, Jimmy. You know, you messed up, right? And then everybody, you messed up, Jimmy. You messed up, Jimmy. You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. You messed up. You know, you know, we're gonna. Uh, uh, but it was pretty much the hallelujah was them echoing things that he said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how they just all just did that naturally as a group in order to put the pressure on Jimmy to actually rat on to rat on Frank. Mm-hmm. So that flexibility within scenes, enhancing moments, and bringing them to life is what I learned from you know learned from them. But it was especially like that scene. I always remember Russell Crowe just making that scene into what it is, and also Ridley just being like, "I love it. Let's do this," and just adapting to it. Even the scene when Denzel throws me into the piano. Like I said, it was supposed to be a glass table. The piano happened because Denzel, I fell into the piano by mistake. I missed the glass table. And Denzel came abroad. He came to me. He was like, imagine I do this. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> and then Ridley goes, let's do that instead. So it was just learning flexibility. You know, like, we don't need the table. Get the table out of there. We're going to have him throw, it, throw, throw his head in the piano. And we're going to have it smashed. But that came out of working the scene out. Hmm. And I, I, I think the piano shows just how aggressive Frank Lucas is. So I love that whole sequence of him just, he, he's so calm when he's around like his mom, his wife, and all of a sudden just snaps in that one scene. It's just smash, 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 smash. So I, mean, oh, I, I yeah. love that scene. Oh yeah. He's, yeah, he's a, yeah, yeah, he was a savage, savage. <laughs> <laughs> 
And then the last question, I don't know how often you get asked about this. This is the last question before moving the mob stuff. How was it to work on the LMFAO music video? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll get in your bones, man. Yeah, that was that was dope. That was like the one of the best yeses I've ever given in my life. I didn't who knew that that move I didn't know. <laughs> I was doing breakout kings. I get a call from my boy Cameron Fife um and um I'm I, the director of that of that music video. His name is 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 is, is Mike Finnegan, um, Finnegan. Mikey. So, any long story short, he's um he was like, yeah, we just got this cameo. We just got to show up and do some improv. You know, LMFEO. And I knew him from like, shot, 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 shot. You know, that song. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, yeah, I'll come through. You know, I, yeah, I'll fly in tomorrow. I'll come in. They were like, bring a suit. And I remember flying in. I didn't have a suit. And I was, I, I had just got this, um, the, my, my, the place I was staying in wasn't ready. So I didn't have like my clothing. I didn't have anything. So I was sitting at my little brother's house. And so, and he's smaller than me. So if you watch that video, Dome some tight pants. My ankles are showing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, ankles are a little ashy, you know, because there was no lotion on set. No, but, but it's, uh, but I went, but I'm wearing, I put together this makeshift suit situation. It's all tight. It's my little brother's clothing. And we go up in there and we improv for going, go on set for maybe, I don't know, an hour and a half, the most. Yeah. And then I leave. And then, Three, four months later, this is the biggest song on the planet. <laughs> it's everywhere. And they played that video like in these huge stadiums. People like, yo, you know, I'm getting videos from people, you know, at the concerts and stuff. And what a ride that was. I'm like, I had no idea. I went there and just improv, you know, like they're like, Mickey, Mickey, like, just do it, just improv. So we just improv that entire thing. And I had no idea. And yeah, it's like what two point five billion views on YouTube yeah. to to date, something like that. Uh, but yeah, that was like I said. Sometimes you just just say yes. I I would just even though I was coming off a TV show and wrapped the entire season, I was like, I'll do it. Yes, yeah. just still wanted to find a way to stay working, and had no idea that I was going to come from it. Yeah, I mean, I love that music <laughs> video. So yeah, <laughs> right. I hadn't even heard the song. I was in there like, what? I'm like, I never, yeah. So, but yeah, Red Foo, Scott Foo, all those guys, everybody was super cool. Cool. Awesome. And then now we're moving on from the question segment of this episode, everyone. And we're going to be ranking our top five favorite mob films. And we'll work our way down from five to one. And of course, <sighs> we're going to have Malcolm start us off with the guest starting with his number five. Oh, I got to put him in order like that. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, man! Oh, oh, okay, okay. All right, number five for me. Okay, on this given day, because I'm like, I'll I'll just put the cat. It can change tomorrow, but on this given day with you guys, I'm gonna say New Jack City. Okay, mm, okay. You wanna go? Yeah, I'll go. Um, hmm. I think my number five. I know it's a classic, but I gotta mm -hmm. put it number five. It's gonna be Goodfellas. It's one of the best. It's a great movie, but five, five. It's, just, it's not my. It's not in my. You know. It's not Ooh. one of my favorites. I can't wait to hear your top four. Gotcha. Yeah, what, know, what is above Goodfellas? The hell. Um. Okay, I I can't even say that. My number five is not much better. Um. Uh, my number five is The Godfather Part Two. Um. Okay. 
So I've never seen the Godfather. I know it's what? a crime. What? I've never seen Godfather one or two. Malcolm. I know. My wife is the biggest Godfather fan. <laughs> and this is a constant thing. You know, so I'm like, there's going to be one time, like, she has no idea. There's going to be one day I surprise her, maybe on our 20th anniversary or something, where I'm like, we're going to watch The Godfather. And she's going to be like, yes. <laughs> but I, I, yeah, so, so obviously it's not on my list. It's not on my top five. <laughs> Never seen it. Uh, all right, Malcolm, what, what's your number four? What's number four? Um, I'm going to say Road to Perdition. Mm. I said that to my dad, and he's like, that's a horrible choice. So I took it (laughs) off my list. I was so embarrassed. I put it on there. I I said, I want the controversy. I'll take it. I like that. that It's a controversial selection, but I'm sticking with it on this particular day. (laughs) Sam Mendes, Road to Perdition. The filmmaking Mm. of that storytelling is just unbelievable. Daniel Craig is so damn scary in that movie. <laughs> so scary in that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. All right. My number four, it's kind of cheating. Kind of a reverse my movie. I'm going with Old Boy. One of the best oh, movies. Oh, such nice. a great foreign film. One of the best action movies. It's kind of reverse because he's, you know, he's hunting down the gangsters, but I had to put it in there. It's such a good one. The action is fantastic. So that's right. my number four. That's right, right. Yeah. I like it. I like that one. I like that. It's so like generic. <laughs> um, my number four is The Godfather Part One. I like mm-hmm. it more than Part Two, which most people don't. But I, I think Part One's the better movie. But yeah, so right. Damn, it's so generic. You guys went all the cool. <laughs> damn it, <laughs> Malcolm. What's your number three? Um, my number three is gonna be City of God. Mm. Damn. And the just- thing is, I didn't, at first. I didn't. I was like, "Is that a gangster movie?" But then I, you look up gangster movies, and City City of God comes up, and I was Every like, time. "Really?" I love City of God. The filmmaking, the storytelling of that dude that it felt it felt real to me. It almost felt like I was watching a documentary. Yeah. Um And you know, the, sto- the stories of you know a lot of those um, actors, and they were they're real kids, yeah. and just to be immersed in that life in you know Brazil, holy moly! Um, so that would be my number three. It has some of the yeah. best cinematography of the 21st century. 100%. Some of the, you know, some of the best transitions, match cuts, unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. Well, damn. <laughs> it's funny because we were just talking about that movie before because we, right. we were just looking at other lists and it, it's always like top five, top ten. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I've never seen that movie. And Tommy was like, what? <laughs> what? Whoa, man. I, I got to watch it. It's been on my list for a while. Just, okay, Malcolm, yeah. you can't say anything. You haven't seen The Godfather. <laughs> I want to hear from your side of things. <laughs> yeah, guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. <laughs> All right, my number three is, and I'm not just trying to make you feel good, but it's American Gangster. Okay, let's go. Just <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> let's go. And talking to you only made it better, so I got to put it on here. I it's love fantastic. it. I was gonna put that as my number three. Then I'm like, is it? I can't put that on, on my list. Can I? I don't know. Can I? I don't know. So you could have put it your number you three. We got two more. It's my number three as well. So. Ah, I like it. I love it. That's awesome. I mean, I think it's just. I feel like at one point it was every teenager's favorite movie because it's just right. such a cool like Frank Lucas. You know he's a bad dude, but you're like. 
he's cool though. Let's like, I want to root for him. And then Russell Crowe's story is so intriguing. And then right. you just come walking out and shoot the girl. And I was like, what the hell happened? It's just right. all these great scenes that are like, and of course my dad, uh, my dad was undercover for a long time. So he, we were talking about when you put the mic on and it's just this massive answering machine. It's a, it's a VCR. <laughs> right. You're right. It's an answering machine. Huge. And my I mean, dad was like, like, and now it's just this thing you can put in your phone. It looks like it's right. awesome. It's crazy how much it's, it's crazy. That's and right. just that whole story, I think, is just a great story. And the fact that he only stayed in prison for 15 years is right. absolutely <laughs> insane. I know. I know. I know. Yeah. You know, I'm doing a rewatch. I've only watched American Gangster one time. Oh, my God. Really? So good. And that's when it first came out. And, you know, it was one of those things, like, filming on it, you just know so much behind the scenes. So... It's one of those things. I think right now I'm so many years removed from it, which I'm almost 20 years removed from it. So I think I could finally enjoy it, you know, from a fan perspective. Yeah. Being removed from it. Right. Yeah. I think it's my favorite Ridley Scott film. Like, and Ridley Scott's filmography is incredible. Right. Mob films are just the best. And it's such a great cast. It's so well written. Yeah. So that's why it's my number three. Couldn't put it above the other two. I love it. I am not mad about that. (laughs) Okay. What is your number two, Malcolm? Hello, hello. Right, number two. We got a freeze. Oh, you're good. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Okay, cool. What is your number two? Number two is is Goodfellas. Yeah. There we good go. fellas good fellas is number two man i think that i think it just is again masterful storytelling the way i remember that shot of scorsese introducing all the all the mobsters and that one that one shot going through that club was like oh my i mean it was just brilliant joe's Pesci's performance you know yeah he got the academy award for it but i just think that's a master class in storytelling it's a master class in filmmaking uh yeah number two it's a great choice. Uh, so my number two is going to be Reservoir Dogs. Oh, so good. that's a uh, great one. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies ever. It, it, I always say this. I don't know if it's my favorite Tarantino movie, but every time I think of it, I'm like, God, it's just so good. <laughs> and the fact that it was his first movie, I'm like, God, it's it's just so impressive how so how good it was. You you are that you're just so right, man. Because that could literally be my that could literally be my number one two on any given day. That's mm-hmm. a great choice. Yeah, absolutely, a thousand percent. I kind of want to flip. I can do whatever. I think I'm gonna flip. <laughs> so I'm gonna flip my one and two just because the number. My now number one is my favorite movie of all time, mm. and I'm gonna say Goodfellas is number two. It's what I consider a perfect movie, and there's. Mm-hmm. I, as close to a perfect movie because I don't believe that there is a perfect movie, but it's mm-hmm. like a nine point nine 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 and on. <laughs> right, sure. It's it's probably the movie that made me really want to get into filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Besides the Amazing Spider-Man, <laughs> but right. besides that, <laughs> I uh, it's just an incredible movie. Every single performance is so good. Ray Liotta is incredible, and of course Joe Pesci gives a top ten performance of all time right. in that movie. And yeah. Marsh Scorsese's mom is amazing. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, <check her> <laughs> That's right. That's right. But yeah, it's 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 one of the best movies of all time. I feel it like sure that's ever, a consensus across the board. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that's my mm-hmm. number two. Malcolm, what is your number one as of today favorite mob movie? It may be this. This is my number one. I think on every get on. I think any given day, every day, Scarface. Oh, Ooh. great! Okay, one. that's a good Scarface. pick. Good choice. 
Brian <laughs> De Palma, Scarface, Al Pacino, uh, F. Murray Abraham. I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's just this. It's so epic. It's so grand. You know, he has these grand these uh, dreams. You got young Michelle Pfeiffer up in there too. Unbelievable for me. That's like a perfect. I always say perfection. People say beauty is in the eye of the beholder. I go perfection. You know, <laughs> we get all, you know, we all have different. You, it's hard to find two people who may think something is per- perfect, but you can find two people who two people who think things are beautiful. Oh, that is beautiful. Per- perfect, like one hundred percent. For me, it was Scarface. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a great choice. Right. Um, so my number one is going to be. I had to get a Scorsese movie on. I know Goodfellas at five. You know, I get it. Did you pick it's the same one as me? It's going to be The Departed at number it. one. Oh, man. That's <laughs> the Departed, it's that's... my favorite. Oh, it's so good. It's so, it really is. It is. Cheap. I can't be mad at the Departed. Everything about that movie is just so good. I love the setting in Boston. All the twists and turns at the end. <laughs> the elevator oh, scene. Yeah. You're like, what happened? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, I know. So Amazing. Good. Amazing. What's your number one? Tom? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> my uh, my number one's also Departed. It is my all time nice. favorite movie. There's nothing mm. even compared to it. And I think I got my dad in trouble. I got my dad in trouble before for saying when he let me watch this movie. <laughs> I was like <laughs> 10, 9, 10 when I watched this for the first time. Right, and right. Since then, I used to go into school and be like, what's your favorite movie? I'd be like, The Princess Bride. Lion King, The Departed. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I adore this movie. Leonardo DiCaprio is my favorite actor of all time. Jack Nicholson <laughs> is psychotic in the best way possible in <laughs> oh, this movie. Yeah. Matt Damon's so hateable. Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. and Mark Wahlberg have one of the Wahlberg. funniest scenes. Oh, yeah. It, it's an incredible movie. Marsha Scorsese at his peak, in my opinion. 100%. And, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So that's, that's a great That's list. everyone's top five mob films of all time. And... <laughs> Should we do, should we do recommendations of the week? <laughs> um, so before we go, we are gonna do a thing we normally do on this on our episodes, Malcolm, and that is recommendation of the week, where we each recommend a show, movie, or something to our audience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Ryan okay. forgets about it every single week. I, I do <laughs> so we're gonna see it. if he actually remembered one this week. Um, <laughs> a recommendation. But yeah, rec- um, I think for mine, I'm. Oh. Okay, good, good. Did we lose you there for a second, Malcolm? Oh no, no, I, I hear you guys. Oh. Oh, there we go. We there got we you go. back. You froze oh, up for okay. a second. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Oh, can you hear us, Malcolm? Yeah, you guys have. You guys aren't freezing on my end. Are you good? We can all hear Hello. each other now. There was a weird like lag for a little bit. Oh, oh we lost him again. There we go. <laughs> it's just okay we had some technical difficulties right there but we're getting back now to do our recommendations of the week as i said we pick a show movie f- to recommend to our audience and since you're the guest we'll let you go first malcolm yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right all that's right. a good pick that's good that's a great one <laughs> do you want to go um yeah so i'm going to recommend one that just narrowly missed my list missed my list 
and it's um it's another foreign film it's the raid i believe it'll be it's called the raid redemption but yeah it's such a good movie again i said old boy is one of the best action movies the raid is even better the action the fighting it's so so good so just narrowly missed my list but definitely recommend that one i'm going to recommend damn i kind of forgot now <laughs> um you know, I'm going to recommend something more lighthearted. We were just talking about some really violent and gruesome <laughs> mob movies. I'm going to recommend Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Just a fun movie. It's like peak, like, coming-of-age comedy. I absolutely love that movie. So, yeah, I don't remember what streaming service it's on. I believe it's on Max currently. Um, but, yeah. And besides that, Malcolm, we just wanted to thank you for coming on the show. It was such a great time. I had a blast getting to talk to you, asking you about some of my favorite series. Mm-hmm and to talk to you about acting and just your whole career in general. Thank you. Thank you. We try our best. (laughs) But yeah, uh, everyone who's listening, make sure to continue downloading our episodes, Mm -hmm. sharing our episodes, follow us on all of our Instagrams. Malcolm, do you want to plug your Instagram or anything you have coming up? Awesome. Oh yeah. Do you wanna awesome. you wanna at yourself this time? You know uh, it's Ferran underscore twelve on my Instagram. <laughs> Follow me, I'm killing it. <laughs> hasn't hasn't posted in two years. No, I'm killing the game. Um you can follow me at Tommy underscore Cresta and the show is the underscore popcorn underscore podcast. Again, thank you everyone for tuning in this episode. Malcolm, thank you again for being just a great guest for Ryan and I to have on and we just had a blast getting to talk to you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning into this episode. Go re- watch Reacher Season 1, Fall of the House of Usher, I, Zombie, American Gangster, <laughs> Color of Justice, just anything <laughs> that Malcolm's in. He absolutely kills it. Thank you guys again for tuning in, and we will see you next week.